0: Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to talk about all that we wonder, whisper, and wish we knew about our bodies, hormones, and life cycle changes. In this space, I offer vulnerability, wisdom, connection, and helpful mind-body-spirit tools. Please join me as I take the stigma out, stop the whisper, and speak out loud about life cycle phases from puberty to menopause. Welcome, everyone, to... Episode four. In this episode of the Life Cycle Lady podcast, I'm going to talk to you all about life cycle transitions, the releasing of our shells, vulnerability, and growth. So this podcast actually was born out of the whispers um, that I hear of women wondering about how to see the power in life cycle transitions like puberty, pregnancy, perimenopause, and menopause. I hear this all the time from women, especially when they hear what I'm up to in the world, that I think they think I'm kind of crazy in some ways, thinking about these stages of life as powerful. Because I think most of you know, in the Western cultures, most of our cultural narrat- narratives around these life cycle tra- transitions are, I don't know, I guess I would say kind of demonized. <laughs> Maybe that's pretty strong. Um, but definitely, it it's not a happy place to be, right? we We don't look back at puberty fondly, most of us, right? We don't look at the transition. I think culturally, a lot of women would say that they didn't like being pregnant or even giving birth. Um, And same with perimenopause, right? So culturally, what happens is we get a lot of stories, right? I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but we get a lot of stories, and stories actually shape the way that our brain is programmed. It's kind of like being programmed, right? It's um, the way that we think about the world, and it's kind of how we stick with the narrative of what is normal and what is not. So I want you to truly think about what you have heard about these life cycle changes, about puberty, about pregnancy, birth, perimenopause and menopause, right? Truly think about stories that you might have heard. Truly think about cultural things that you might see. There's not a whole lot of goodness, right? When I think about it, I think about specifically perimenopause because that's kind of the main group of people I chat with and also where I'm at in my life. I think about, I mean, even if you look at like memes or if you look at the book titles on perimenopause, what little there is, because most people don't even know what this word is, but what little there is, it's like all these negative things that are going to happen to you. It's like this list of of things that are going to happen to you and it doesn't really make people very excited about going through this change of life right obviously they're not really excited about going through something that's going to make you as what society says kind of a rage-filled crazy lady who might end up getting divorced and um losing her job or you know like these are all the things i see or if you look at puberty it's like Oh, they become these crazy teenagers with hormones all over the place. and Kind of like the same thing as perimenopause, right? Just at a younger age, so we don't even give that age group as much value. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the life cycle transitions and why they're actually incredibly potent and powerful and important for us to understand, And I'm going to actually use my favorite children's story to talk about these life cycle changes. All right. You ready? So I'm not going to actually read the story because I don't know that that's actually legit and you're able to do in a podcast. I kind of think it's like copyright laws. But I'm going to give you the gist of this book called Grasper. So I came across this book Grasper, I mean, 15 years ago. Um, It was after I'd had my first child, who was 15, Um, and it kind of, it was one of those books, I don't know if anyone else has ever had this happen, but I've had over the course of my life books that have literally like popped off the shelf and into my hands, Um, and they tend to be very pivotal and meaningful books. Um, Another time that happened was when I was actually in midwifery school in New Zealand. I was in the library, and a book like fell off the shelf, and it was all about, um, cancer and ovarian cancer and how to help heal it. And at the time, my grandmother had ovarian cancer. Um. So, anyways, books have popped off the shelf over my life. I don't know why, but Grasper was a book we were in. A, my husband and I and, and baby were in a used bookstore in Boulder, Colorado, and the book popped off the shelf. And we immediately bought it. And it's one of the only books that we still have 15 years later. And it is something that we read probably on a weekly basis to our now younger children, who my youngest is currently four. Um, And it is something that I think about all of the time. So here's the story of Grasper, the gist of Grasper. Basically, the story starts off kind of dark and in like a cave where there's little teeny um, crabs. And they are just kind of scrounging around looking for food. And as the story progresses, there's this certain crab called Grasper and he starts to feel like pain all over his body. And he does something called molting, which is something that crabs do, right? So that when molting is their crab shell comes off and they become shellless. And they have the ability during this time period to then grow. So as he becomes shellless, people around, he's like, what's going on? And he has all these ideas and, like, this hope and this, like, new way of kind of seeing the world. And his fellow uh, crabs say to him, like, oh, you've just molted. Like, be careful when you're molting. Like, you could go crazy. You could think crazy thoughts. And the thoughts you're thinking, they aren't true. And like, be really, really careful, and so they live in this, like, kind of crevice in the ocean, and so he sees, all of a sudden, the world above, and he doesn't listen to them, and he crawls up and out of his crevice, and he goes and explores this world, and there's tons of food out there, and, like, down below, they barely can, they're barely surviving eating-wise, and he finds, like, all these fish, and then he comes, eventually, to this huge crab that he can't even believe is a crab, And he says, oh my God, I've never, I've never seen a crab like you. And he said, well, when you've molted as many times as I have, you become big and strong. And he says, oh, well, everyone down below told me when I molted, I needed to stay slow and like meek so that my shell could harden up really quick again and I could be safe. And he said, and this is, you know, this wise old huge crab. He's like, No, 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 that's not what you do. When you're when you're shellless, it's the opportunity for you to grow and for you to change and for you to explore new surroundings. Right? And so Grasper gets really, really excited and he wants to go back and tell everybody what he's just seen. And so he crawls back into his hole and as he's coming down, all of a sudden his his heart his he grew way bigger on his adventure, but his shell starts to harden, right? His new home has been created, created. And he, um, he tells everyone what he saw in the world and no one believes him. They're like, yeah, that didn't happen. And so they kind of tell him he's crazy. And then all of a sudden he, as his shell hardens more and more, he kind of thinks, maybe I did imagine that maybe that wasn't true. And so years forward he molts again, and then he sees the up world and, um, he immediately goes out and people follow him, right? So this, I think this is an amazing book. I love reading this book to my kids just to show them that, like there is a large world out there. and even when we're going through tough times in life or whatever, that that there's that there's reason and meaning, right? And so why the heck am I telling you <laughs> this story about Grasper? Um, a children's book when I'm talking about life cycle changes. So to me, like it, maybe you can connect the dots, right? Um, life cycle transitions are time periods where we molt. There are these years long time periods where we become incredibly vulnerable, incredibly soft, and maybe even a bit confused, right? It can hurt physically during these time periods. It can hurt emotionally. Right? That is all true. I'm not saying that like puberty is this amazing place that or any of these transitional periods. Right? They're kind of hard. We have, we have molted and we all of a sudden don't know who we are. We don't know our new place in the world. And we're really, really vulnerable. And we're really vulnerable to what, like, outside influences society tells us, right? So if we hear all these negative things about this time period that we're in, which is kind of just the cultural narrative, then of course it makes us, it's really hard to fight for something different, just like Grasper, right? It was really hard for him to fight for. Maybe it is, Maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe there is a different way. When we're feeling that vulnerable, it's hard for us to want to be around others. It's hard for us to want to share. It's hard for us to go to those hard places in life. It's hard for us to imagine sometimes because sometimes a disconnection occurs during this time period, especially if we're not very supported and a disconnection occurs. And so we turn inwards, right? And when we get, you know, depression and anxiety, one of the kind of signposts is you can't see the future. You can't see a new way of being. You can't imagine something else, right? You can't imagine that there is a way out or that there is some sort of a vision. And that can definitely happen during these time periods, right? The number one medicated group of individuals in the whole entire United States of America are women in the perimenopausal years, And there's a reason for that. And I will do a podcast on that in the, I don't know, sometime soon. It's on my list. Um, So before our shell hardens, we need to become new versions of us. That is what this time period is for. These time periods are for. We get to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. We get to allow ourselves to explore new places and sometimes that means even healing old wounds and finding new ways of being in this world. And then, and only then, do we continue to grow just like the big grasper, the big crab that Grasper visits, right? Only then do we continue to grow just like him. When we are unable to find that connection to ourselves, are unable to be not vulnerable with ourselves and with others, are unable to like fully understand this time period, are unable to really connect with how this growth needs to occur. And sometimes it's friggin' scary, right? Sometimes you might need to do things and go places and be in different ways that people are like, what the actual heck, right? That... You are a total different person. And I don't, some people don't like change. Like the people around Grasper, the crabs around Grasper, they did not feel comfortable with him being new. It somehow threatened them. Does that make sense? So I, I get that. I super get that it takes a lot of courage and bravery to be vulnerable, to go to those places. And if you're supporting someone who's, you know, in the puberty years, holy cow. Like, they're just trying to grow up and be, figure out what it even means to be in this body, right? They've been kind of small and young and in childhood, and now they're in this, like, in-between stage of life, right? They're not an adult, but they're definitely not a child. And so helping them with what that looks like and helping them be vulnerable and helping them understand the power of this especially if you haven't had the best experience yourself. Whew. Right? I'm going to keep talking about that also in more podcasts, giving you always giving you more and more tools to help people through these time periods. And sometimes we're going to fall down, right? Sometimes it's going to suck. Sometimes we're not going to want to do we're not going to want to get to go to those uncomfortable places, but I promise the more and more you go there, what I know, what I know seeing my own life is I have resistance. What I know in working with clients is I see their resistance. What I also know to be true is the more we go into that resistance with connection, the more we go into that resistance with tools, the more willing we are to Push into rather than pull away from any situation. We tend to grow. It, the big feelings tend to dissipate. Sometimes it takes a while, right, for those big feelings to go away. Imagine if we taught our kids that as they're going through puberty, leaning in rather than pulling away. Imagine if we circled up around them and created spaces for them to lean into one another and be all their quirkiness and awkwardness, because they all feel it. It doesn't matter if you're a cool kid or a jock or a... I don't actually know what they call them nowadays. Oh, my son recently said a word. Oh, what was it? Uh, Oh, dang it. I can't remember. Some new group that I had never heard of oh uh, it'll come to me maybe anyways whatever there's lots of new different types of groups nowadays than right when I was a kid I grew up kind of in rural Col- Colorado so we had like the cowboys and the whatever you know you know what I mean what if we taught people to lean in rather than pull away Is basically where I'm getting before our shell hardens and we become new versions of ourselves and fr- and then we kind of you know we could coast along for a while what's kind of what the the certain time periods about and then we kind of go back in and do that big work that's what these time periods are about and for some of us the more and more we work we do younger the less work than we're older than we have like the healing part it's just the like rediscovering a new version of us right what if we actually thought about old people as like an opportunity for rediscovering yourself and all the new things you can learn and all the new ways of being rather than this like has anyone else ever had the experience of, like, going in places with older people? And this happens to me all the time when I go to the sauna at the gym. All of the old men, I'm normally, there's the only woman, which kind of sucks, but whatever. Um, They all talk about, like, their ailments. <laughs> That's, like, literally all they talk about. I have actually stopped going into the sauna so much because... It's just kind of cruddy, right? I just want to, like, scream at them. Like, it doesn't have to be this way. Maybe they do have ailments, right? Like, my body doesn't feel like it did when I was 20, for sure. I just took a seven-mile walk, and my knee kind of hurts, right? Like, that's just part of it. And so I do what I do for my body. But, like, imagine that we, yes, that might happen. And also, we get to be new people. What if we valued that and saw that as a possibility? Not a whole lot of people do. It makes it kind of easier to grow in that older phase of life, right? Yeah. I always think about it it as like my kids. I think I will be almost 60 when my last kid leaves the house. (laughs) Which is kind of crazy because my parents, my dad, is turning 60 in like a week. And that just goes to show you they had me when they were 18. So... It just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes having kids younger, maybe that wasn't such a bad idea generations ago, because he still has a heck of a lot of life going on, right? Um, Anyways, okay, I digress. So how can this, what I've described, help us through these time periods, right? I'm trying to keep myself on track with my little bullet points, (laughs) what I want to talk about. So we get to imagine new ways of being with these time periods. It's basically what I've already covered. Also, I want to talk about neuroplasticity. I talk about this, I'm going to talk about these each and every podcast. Some of you are new to my podcast, so welcome, and you get to hear about it. For those of you that are lovely and watch listen to each and every one um you hear me talk a lot about the brain i'm super super excited and passionate about all the research in the brain i'm really big in mind body spirit and so there's not a whole lot of information out there about the brain right it's kind of a new newer to science um place of study there's like a lot of intuitive knowledge obviously But I also really dig the scientific knowledge as well so for those of you that don't know neuroplasticity basically means that our brains continue to restructure themselves based on experience so the cool thing is that old saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks that's total bollocks like you you can totally teach an old dog new tricks right The brain is a muscle that can changes according to how you feed and use it. So the brain changes to meet your needs. So brain scans during these major transitions in life, like puberty and pregnancy and perimenopause, if you were to look and like Google brain scans of these time periods, you can see that our brains are massively different than other points in our life, right? They are ripe for shedding and becoming new. There's certain, like, focal points that light up during these specific transition periods in life. And if you look at at what is being, like, the story that is told around those cultural, like, the cultural story or what scientists are saying about what those brain areas, like, let's take, for example, perimenopause. In perimenopause, like, the limbic, the emotional center of your brain, gets really, really activated, right? In particular, and the anger part of your brain gets really, really activated, which is why there's, like, the, the rage, right? If you look at that scientist, like, the story around that versus, like, my story, there's kind of, like, a quite a negative spin. I would say, actually, it's maybe for the best. Maybe it's, like, our way of getting pissed off and, like, forcing ourselves to deal with things so that we can become this new person, right? Like, maybe it's a a kickstart to the new. Like, maybe anger is not such a bad thing. I talk about that a lot in my barry menopause workshop that a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us were given the story that, like, anger is not something that good girls feel, Right? And so basically I'm just describing to you what, how the brain's changing. So there's a philosopher called, um, named W.M. Mace and he says, ask not what's inside your head, ask what your head's inside of, right? Ask not what's inside your head, ask what your head's inside of. So when our heads are being inundated or programmed or whatever you want to, acculturated, like whatever word you want to use to describe it, with like lots of negative imagery, negative messages, and half the time they're not even like conscious, right? They just go into the like 80% of unconscious part of your brain that rules much of our life rather than the 20% conscious, right? So when you're in and when you surround, like, when you're surrounded by lots of negative people, lots of, like, we all know this scenario. Say you you work in a space where there's a lot of, like, gossip and negative water cooler talk and, like, I don't know, everyone's just unhappy. Like, that just breeds unhappiness, right? Now imagine you're in a space, your head is in a space where, like, there's lots of happiness. Like, that breeds that happiness. There's al- also sayings of, like surround yourself with the people that you that like feed your soul that you want to be around, right? That you want to be like. Like I try to do that in my ri- life, right? I try to surround myself by parents who I admire and look up to and I want to be like rather than me being like the best parent, I want to be like maybe the the worst parent so that I can grow into that, right? <laughs> I, it's really not best or worst, but you see what I'm saying. So we need to change our tolerance and interaction with the standards of our culture. We need to change our tolerance and interaction with the standards in our culture. We need a cultural revolution. And I believe it's actually occurring around these transition time periods in life to make it more powerful for us to grow into. I believe that it will heal trauma, which I believe creates evolution of our species right and more connection and less anxiety and less depression and it doesn't have to be seen as this time we survive but a time that we we become something new that we allow people to become new things to become new people we are not I am not the same person I was in high school and I when I was going through puberty I'm not I'm not the same person that I was When I had my first baby, I'm not even the same mom as I am when I had my first baby, right? The first baby and fourth baby, there's 11 or 12 years apart in between them. I'm a very different mom. I'm a mom of four versus a mom of one, but I'm a very different person. I've had a lot more life experience. I've had a lot of growth under me, right? Um... Where, what else was I want to say about that? Um. Oh, the cultural revolution that I was referring to. I don't know if it's just me. It's like those books that fall off the shelf. But I see it all around me. I see women up to very similar things that I am all over the place. And it makes me really, really excited. I mean, we're all doing it in our own way. Because, you know, we're going to attract... Like there's different ways of speaking about it Which are the same thing but different It's like same same but different right Um That will just attract like one thing I say to you I often do this with my husband I'll say something to my husband and then he'll go And like you know Meet with a really good friend of his And she'll say the same thing (laughs) But he like totally hears it from her But not so much from me which is was super annoying to me at the at the beginning, but then now I'm like, it doesn't matter, does it? Like, it just matters that he hears it. So to me, it doesn't matter. Like, if w- the way I speak it doesn't resonate with you, there's lots of other people that speak it in lots of different ways, but it's the same essence. So there is a revolution going around, around talking about these time periods differently. When we talk about them differently, we will experience them differently. That is part of that neuroscience. We will. Like it will happen when we talk about it differently. Our biochemicals will change and we will have less of the like laundry list of crap that comes along with it. We will like that. that That's just going to happen for us. Also, I want to talk about some tools that will help during these time periods. Connection. I mean, that's like you're like, okay, great. Thanks for the tool of connection, lady. Like, what am I going to do with that? Connection to ourselves, I know it sounds abstract, but it always helps. So think to yourself, how do you connect to your body, mind, and spirit each and every single day? How is it the priority in your life and not the first thing that you toss aside when life gets full or busy? Right? That is part of the work that I do with women. It's like, Again, not rocket science, but sometimes you just need someone on the outside who's looking in, who's been there, who knows all the traps because I experience them myself, and have created tools to work through those traps, or stops, or restrictions that we put on ourselves, and also because I work with all of you, right? So it, it's easier for me to have, like, I'm on the outside of the window looking in, and it's very easy for me to see. Um, so connection to yourself, however, I want to throw in connection to others is just as important, if not more so, than connection to yourselves. We live in this crazy, or not, there's a lot of benefits to it, but our culture is very individualistic, right? Right? we pride ourselves on being able to make our own choices and our own individuality. And I think it's amazing. I actually love it in a lot of ways, Um, especially traveling and seeing both ways. I I really, really appreciate the individuality of the culture. But as I was reading a book, um, which is probably one of my very favorite books, if you have not read Lost Connections by Johan Hari, Um, it's about uncovering the causes of depression and anxiety and the unexpected solutions. It's an amazing book that anyone who has ever suffered from depression or anxiety, or really I just believe all humans should read, but he talks about in his way of reconnecting to people, he talks about, um, a study that was done to see if you, if you tried consciously to make yourself happier, did it actually work? So if you dedicated more of your life, which is what I often ask people to do, to deliberately seek out happiness, I wouldn't say happiness, I would say connection, Um, but would you be happier from a week from now or a year from now? So the team that studied this studied those questions in four countries, the U.S., Russia, Japan, and Taiwan, and they tracked thousands of people That had deliberately decided to pursue happiness and some that didn't. And when they compared the results, what they found was if you deliberately try to become happy, you will not, not become happier if you live in the United States. If you live in Russia, Japan, or Taiwan, you will become happier. And so they were like, okay, what the heck does that mean? Like, why is that? So what they found the difference between is the difference between how we think of ourselves in the western culture and how most people in Asia think of themselves. So if you take a group of like of western people and you show them a picture of a man addressing the crowd and ask them to describe what they'll see they will almost always describe the individual the guy who's addressing the crowd, at the front of the crowd first. And then they'll describe him in a lot of details, and then they'll just say, and then there's a crowd. If you were to ask the Chinese people the same picture, or the Japanese people, or the Taiwanese people, or just, I guess they would say Asians in general, um, in the study at least, it's the other way around. They will usually describe the crowd first in great detail, Like the mood of the crowd, the tone of the crowd. And then, as like an afterthought, they'll describe the guy who's at the front. Right? So this is one of the things that cultural neuroscience talks about. is like, the way we are morally programmed, the way our culture tells stories about things, it influences our brain. So much so that we can look at the same picture and see two totally different things. So what they find for the people that are in these other countries that deliberately tried to pursue happiness, they were pursuing happiness in a very different way. In the West, the women and men were doing self, self self-happiness. How can you do more stuff for yourself, get more stuff for yourself, get more achievements for yourself? If you're pursuing happiness in Russia, China, or Japan, you're actually looking at happiness in a different way. How can you serve your community and connect more with others? Happiness is a social thing in these places. And so when people are looking to be more happy, they're looking to connect more to others. Right? So I would say, because there's also like... there's a down, there's a down, a, a pro and a con list for everything, right? So, so how I approach, not not just happiness, but how I'm giving you tools that will help you through these life cycle transitions that can be really disconnecting because you're vulnerable and you're kind of sometimes confused and you might feel alone because that's just what happens is connection. I would still say connection to yourself helps because we live in a go, 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 do, do, do society that connecting to yourself, which means slowing down, getting inside of your body, connecting with your mind and your spirit and connecting to others. Making it a priority to connect with other people, to serve other people. Right. To be with other people. Not with an agenda, just like to hang out with other people. So one of the things I started doing, I do this thing every season where I kind of sit down and take stock of my life and think about what few areas of my life I'm going to focus on for that season. So several years ago, I wanted to focus more on community connection. And so one of the things I did was we decided we were going to have a family over that we loved once a month and like cook them dinner and just like love on that family and what I found was it increased my 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 children loved it and it just increased the sense of connection right that we have and in in such a world that we're so busy and that we don't like we're always feel like we're seeing people but not really knowing what's going on in their life so like really taking this time to connect more And for me, it's all about like small things. So I was like once a month, once a month, I can do this, right? Ideally, I'd be like, it would be awesome if it was every week. But like once a month, I can definitely commit to it, right? So think about what that looks like for you. Rediscover a different way of interacting with these transition time periods. So get books that talk about them in like wisdom ways. There are some out there. Um, Listen to podcasts there's a few out there. This one is one of them. Taking classes. There is people out there that are offering classes with different ways of like knowledge and how to think about these time periods and like let the story be changed and let it be something that you're like a participant in rather than something that's just happening to you and you're along the ride for, right? If you're going through perimenopause, you're just like, oh yeah, I'm going through perimenopause, whatever that means. Like that's happening to me. Like know about it. Let it be part of your life. Talk about it with others. Journal about it. Like, let it kind of be of space in your life. Another tool that helps is your commitment. Your commitment to self-discovery and awareness. Your commitment to vulnerability and sharing. Your commitment to letting it be part of your life, right? That commitment actually is kind of incorporates all that I've talked about. Another tool I would say is stress recovery. am uh, I don't really like talking about stress reduction because I think for many of us that's, I don't know. I just don't like, it's stress is part of life. Like stress, there's actually a biological need for stress. It's an evolutionary need. I think that it would be great to reduce stress. But it also, for me, it's more important to have some stress recovery. So like, You're in the middle of a stressful situation. You're realizing this is happening. And then you're what what I do is I put my hand on my stomach and I literally just breathe. And I tell myself, it's okay. This really crazy thing is happening right now. I don't really know what I'm gonna do about it. But like it's gonna be okay. It's always okay in the end, right? And just like calming myself through my breath and connection, physical connection with my hand. I also teach this to my kids as they have stressful things too. It's an amazing, such a simple tool. You can be in public, have your hand on your stomach, and no one knows why. No one will even notice, right? You're not like, I need to stop and meditate for 10 minutes because I'm in stress, right? It's just like a simple tool you can use wherever. Another tool is healing and inner work. So connecting with whatever that looks like for you. Journaling reaching out to a therapist, reaching out to a coach, like whatever that looks like for you. But it needs to be done because chances are you went through puberty and you have, or you went through life and just stuff happens, right? Like it just happens. And some stuff doesn't need to be like minutely gone through and some stuff we really need to heal from, right? It's important to do that healing work because it's like, We, I see it as like pieces of ourselves come back. Like we feel, I feel more whole when I have those like aha moments. I'm like, oh, that's why I do that thing. That's why I can't be vulnerable in that space. That's why those things trigger me. Like I enjoy doing that work, but not always. So the last tool that I have for you is fun, have fun dance like bring it into your life right today i am currently on like a workcation as i'm recording this um and so i am working and i also am playing but one thing that i did because i was getting kind of tired at one point during the day is like i put on some bluegrass music which i really like to dance to and i like danced around and was super silly right I used to do that all the time I remembered I was like oh wow I used to do this like literally nightly when my other when my first two when I had two maybe I had three kids like it was a part of our family life and then like you know as the kids get older there's soccer and baseball and blah 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 right but I actually live where I I tail that much more than most people I know but there's still stuff. But I, I still do dinner every single night in our house at a specific time. So I can dance during dinner, right? It made me remind, reminded myself like, ah, oh, I need to have more fun like on a daily basis. And my kids need to see me being weird and silly and awkward. To gives them permission to be weird, silly and awkward. Um, and play. Play is just as healing, if not more so, right? Play is so, so healing to our souls. So I hope this episode has helped you. I've hoped it's helped you think about these things in a new way, see them in a new light, and I hope you enjoyed the Grasper story. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your connection, and I hope that I'm what the words that I say offer you some tools and just some help. So let me know down in the comments if you have questions, comments, how you're bringing this into your life, or if you have any whispers at all that you would like me to address in a future podcast. Thanks, everyone. Bye.